welcome to the Agency Thinking Podcast Season 2, where I'll be talking to a range of folks who support agencies across their specialisms. So that's freelancers, contractors, consultants, and getting a viewpoint from them about what makes an agency tick, as seen from the outside, and uh, an understanding and discussions and a chat around the whole agency ecosystem. Okay, so welcome to this episode of Agency Thinking, and today I'm talking to the esteemed Peter Cobley. Peter and I have known each other for a while now, um, and Peter runs Founders, which is primarily, and you might well correct me here, Peter, but it's primarily a headhunting service, a very um, well-known, well-established headhunting service, but also a wider consultancy around the agency world, so agency management systems and processes and, and supporting agencies in a range of ways. Um, if you're happy to just jump in and, and just explain a bit more about what you do, and then we'll, we'll have a chat, as they say, from yeah. there. Yeah, thanks very much, Mark. It's lovely to be on the podcast. Um, so my background um, was originally uh, trained as a lawyer, believe it or not, uh, but um, came into media, media owner site uh, down in London, finishing off working with ITV, um, and then I relocated north to set up what was the original go-to overture offices, which was then acquired by Yahoo. Mm. And from Yahoo, I then moved into agency life, um, helping set up a business called I Spy Marketing, which was sold to my prospect, and then shifted over to be a commercial director over at home in Leeds. And then ultimately, uh, seven years ago, I uh, decided to set up my own what I call lifestyle business geared around my A skills and my B skills, which is a headhunting business due to my contacts dealing with senior people in the advertising, marketing, and media businesses, as well as consultancy. And the consultancy side is advising um, businesses, agencies, uh, media owners, and the like uh, on marketing, on sales, and just harnessing that wealth of uh, training experience that I had. One of the key areas I deal with is mentoring people getting involved in trying to help them with careers. Uh, I'm 50 this year and um, I've kind of been through the London scene and the Manchester scene and try my best to aid people in their decision-making process. And one good example of that is uh, I'm an associate uh, research fellow over at Lancaster University Management School. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I get involved with helping undergrads and postgrads with the career service and the business school itself further their careers um so i will for example meet up with business leaders that could be anything from the owners of lakeland as in the um goods business through mm-hmm. two of the well-known businesses to aid these people uh, who could be on an mba or doing a advertising slash marketing degree mm-hmm. as an undergraduate at the management school and it's my way of giving back Financially, I'm okay, so I don't run the business to make loads of money. Um, I'm in a very privileged position and get a lot of pleasure out of it. And in essence, that is me in a nutshell. It's, um, I'm guessing that is um, really rewarding as well, that, that thing of mentoring and, and, and steering some folks um, at the start of their career. Well, students, very much at the start of the career, or early career. And start yeah, nice it is. It is. It's something I've actually done, I don't know whether it was, my nature of growing, in a pub, growing up in a pub in Macclesfield, I've always been tactile with people and it's right. helped various people's careers over 
yeah. many years in working and thought, why don't I do it as a business? Um, yeah. Like a lot of people, I have had a dim view, unfortunately, of recruitment consultants, being frank with you. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to model myself, not trying to tar all recruitment consultants with the same brush. I've tried to model myself as somebody different, somebody that's approachable, and yeah. somebody who won't stick an invoice under your nose. Um, so not worrying about money at the age I'm at um, means that I don't have the conflict of interest that unfortunately burdens a lot of businesses. And mentoring, mm. whether or not on an informal or formal basis, does bring a lot of pressure. And it's interesting to see that some of the people I looked after when I was at ITV, who were juniors, you know, first graduate jobs, that kind of thing, you know, we're in senior positions at Google now. So they did yeah. even better than I did. And ultimately, it could be the case I've got to work for them if my business goes wrong. <laughs> so, um, I guess uh, well, that's, that's a mixed feeling, isn't it? It's kind of, uh, you want them to do well, but yeah. you think, oh my Lord, look at you now, you're strong. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all married and have kids. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it does make me feel old, I suppose. Peter, so from, from your um, experience, maybe over the last year or so, are you looking more at support so you've got the headhunting side of the business and and, and senior executive kind of placement and, and support mm-hmm. is there is there a mix of work with that and the consultancy side do you think people are ready to start um making a move themselves or do you think the market's still kind of waiting generally to say where do we shake out with with all things covid or i think i think there's a great deal of uncertainty in the marketplace right. and i think also there's a lot of navel gazing okay um which is stymieing progress um if we look at the triangular relationship in the business that we work in you have the media owner at one point mm-hmm. the middleman or the agency at another point and then you have the client at the other point and within media owner, i do blend in tech as well like google and mailchimp and people like that yeah. and so forth yeah. right. all three businesses in a relationship of support and feeding um, are, are struggling and have struggled. And I think it goes back and beyond further than COVID. Okay. The impact of Donald Trump on world affairs, and, it, you know, the classic phrase is America sneezes, Europe catches a cold. Mm. The impact of Brexit then dovetailing into COVID has had a massive fat effect um, on businesses to the point that um, they were forced into a situation of having to act. They were forced into a situation of having to shed staff, work to break even, and not necessarily expand or make plans. And that triangular interrelationship affected each and every one within that relationship. But I think also uh, there was something more fundamental and intrinsic that dovetailed into what's gone on. And you can especially look at that from the agency point of view. Network agencies, global agencies, whether OMG, Interpublic, Havas, through to WPP, over the years had grown by expansion and acquisition to become blundering behemoths. So what Brexit and COVID had done, as they desperately looked to cut costs, was examine how they were operating and realising there was duplication. So if we take WPP, for example, arguably you could say, what's the difference between Vizion, iProspect, What's the difference between Young and Rubicon, Mindshare, Ogilvy, and so forth? So what we then began to see was a forced and a voluntary night of the long knives. You then saw a stripping out, a decimation of businesses, process, and people. To an extent, you've seen that 
within media owners that have obviously faced a long-running battle with offline into online and how to harness that content. And then obviously with clients, you see a very, very varied bag of results. AO.com, if we just look at GB, through to Boohoo, through to the Hook Group, northern-based businesses, so that, you know, just to keep it tight. Mm-hmm. I've done very, very well in the Hook Group, in the marketplace, whereas other businesses um, have very much struggled. But the override, you know, I'm a massive believer in the KISS principle. So in simple, simple terms, what has gone on has created uncertainty. People mm-hmm. do not like making decisions when uncertain. And that is both the employer and the employee. Yep. So you generally see a period of stasis at the moment. And that's where we are, I strongly believe. And I think it can be reflected in headhunting and recruitment that I've seen, where, yes, you have had an increase of people on the market, more middling to senior, as they have been cut from businesses to save cost. There has been movement junior-wise, but I would argue junior to middling has probably been a question of backfill or slight expansion. But I would say overall, it's been a pretty static situation and that uncertainty is now beginning to attenuate and thin but i think if you think of a y and x axis and a traditional bell curve going up yeah we're not going to get that bell curve it's going to be up and down up and down like a share almost like a share price graph so it's not all doom and gloom no, because ultimately but, yeah yeah i think you know what you do discover is that um crisis forces people to look at things and make decisions and do things differently, which is beneficial for themselves as individuals in a career and also a business. Do you think that we will see a lot more startups or we'll see a lot more kind of yeah, I think confederations of freelancers? So people who are thinking twice about jumping back into a big agency yeah. structure because they've yeah. been burnt maybe, or they just think, actually, I'm just ready for change. I'm seeing it already where senior people who I won't mention who've been let go with a huge redundancy package are setting up on their own right? as consultants, yeah. non-execs, or forming businesses. So mm. the cataclysmic affair of being sacked, made redundant, being let go, is bringing about growth in businesses, and there will be a marketplace for that. The million-dollar question is, will these businesses have enough cash flow to survive Yes, the restarting of business, which is always a killer for any business. So yeah, yeah. I think there's great opportunity for people who have held senior positions to think, you know what, like I did seven years ago, I'm going to give it a go. And if it goes wrong, I'll go back into business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do yeah. think we will see growth in entrepreneurial spirit, especially in the Manchester area, Leeds area, and, and Edinburgh and Glasgow, where we've seen the shift from London and, and you know, you know, a growth, a growth, and that also takes into account Media City and obviously the advent of Channel 4 moving up to Leeds and so forth. So mm. we, we are seeing growth and we are seeing people not suck the thumb and run around and try and find another job that doesn't exist, yeah. Um, yeah. but actually do something. You will also see as well, potentially, people working remotely and working for London firms more so. However, the market, I believe, in London is a bit shot to bits. But um, again, it's 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 a wait and see situation. It's interesting you say about having 
folks, which I thought was, I'm outside of, of you know, understanding how the market movement works from mm. you, but it felt to me like I'd been seeing on, for example, on LinkedIn, a lot more of kind of senior folks either doing their own thing, starting up or going into yeah. or, or or doing something that wasn't necessarily the next big move back into an agency. It's yes. that it's, you would hope for them on a human level that mm. the business from client world then in terms of revenue starts to match or going to a mm. fall into step so that they can sustain themselves over the next 12 mm. months and things pick up. And statistically, I've got no idea how many people have actually left the business. Mm. Mm. You know, they've been thinking, well, I've done advertising for a while, I want a career change. And it wouldn't surprise me if what has gone on has provided a catalyst for people to shift into other professions. Um, yeah. That's probably life where, stage as where, well, as you're saying. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of their age. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon for people around my age to have kids that have, have flown the nest and they're in a financial situation to do something different. But statistically, I don't have any definite figures on that. But I, I suspect when we're all back meeting with each other, we will learn about people who have drifted out of the business that have been stalwarts of the business for years. Yeah. You could have had the opportunity to jump back into, um, because of the experience you got, back into an agency or, or a client side, yeah. a senior marketeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, you, you know, you're going to put your toe in the water and see if you liked it. There must be something about doing your own thing. What is it about um, what's been the ecosystem? Because you're supporting, well, agencies and brands, but agencies. So it, why, did you, why did you, why have you continued? What do you get out of it? Um. I'd always wanted to run my own business, having set business up for the people right. with their money and felt I could do it. And having trained as a solicitor, I was very much versed in running businesses through professional training you get. Right, yes. So, some, so it was a combination of personal challenge, curiosity, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately for me, freedom, freedom of time, freedom of decision-making, and being able to run a business according to my moral values mm. and not necessarily having my moral values c- compromised, which had occurred due to having to tuck forelock and do, as I was told, even in a senior position for a business. Um, but yeah, the overall thing for me has been an accountant friend of mine who I go fell running with said to me, you need to view it as semi retirement like he's doing so in one sense it's semi-retirement but doing something that i'm happy with and don't feel i've got one eyeball on a board telling me what target i've got to reach each month yes yeah gotcha so there is that it is the um the ability to determine yourself how how well or not from a financial point of view you want to put the market forces aside yeah Uh, you can choose to take that you know wednesday afternoon off well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably, and, yeah. and hit the hills or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, with that comes responsibility. If I'm able to just, it's a lovely day and I haven't got any pressing work, then I'll put my fell running shoes up and di- disappear onto Saddleworth Moors. Yeah. And that, to me, is worth more than placing a direct to somebody and getting a few grand that I'll end up spending on God knows what. From your um, experience with working with agencies, is there... Is there a certain way that they can you spot the ones that are just not going to be a great client for you in the way that they brief you? And the reason I'm asking that is, having talked to other people on this this uh, season of the podcast, is is it, 
various conversations come around briefing. So whether you're a copywriter or a planner or whatever, mm. people get a, um, I think that those that support agencies as external specialists almost get like a Spider-Man sense about how good that client's going to be yeah. based on almost the initial conversation and what their expectations are. Do you get that? Do you sometimes start working with people and think, actually, this is not going to be the right client for me? Or yeah. Mine's a bit different in that I work with people. I generally try and not look at a faceless organisation. Okay. So if I'm dealing with somebody at OMG, I'll be dealing with John or Natalie, not OMG. Okay, yes. Yeah. Because to me, I believe that companies are people and people are companies. And it's very easy to get taken away by thinking a company. A company doesn't exist. In law, it exists as an entity, but in real life, people make businesses up, whether it's a sole trader through to a 1,000 people. Mm. So I form a relationship with a person. It becomes more crucial is, can I work with this person? And yes, I do have to take into account company, the cultural values. But crucially for me to do work with a person is it has to be a symbiotic, bilateral relationship where information is honestly traded mm -hmm. and also um, I have to be in a position to understand how that company and that person ticks and whether or not they fit in with my value system. Yeah. yeah. Because if the person is a complete fill in that word as appropriate, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to deal with them. Yeah. Because, I'm, because the thing is, if I'm dealing with candidates that have trusted me for years or have known me as friends for years, business friends, of course. What, yeah. where is the morality in dropping them into a, a, mals, a you know, maelstrom or a horrific environment? But ultimately, it's about dealing with people. Yeah, I can get very, very, some people are very detailed. Some people are highly organized and will give me the nth degree of what they want. Some people won't. They trust me and they know I know exactly what they need and they will leave me to formulate what is needed or we'll discuss business-wise. But for me, it's much more about a relationship with the people I'm working with on both sides of the table with the company as a secondary entity. However, the company does form part of that because it's a brand, it's an entity in its own right, yeah, and it has cool. certain values and certain ways of doing things. So um, I, I get more pleasure nowadays working with independents where I can really add value to the business and get my teeth into how they work. Gotcha. Like the, the thing of it's your reputation and as you say, and also you mm. build a relationship with the candidates, the folks that you know, the compadres. Yeah. You, know, well, I, you I, don't want to place them into a situation where they're really not happy folks in a year's time because the culture wasn't right. So you, I guess no, it's more you a lot of due diligence, don't you, to sort of go beyond yeah. the, the website value proposition, which every agency, well, no, they don't. I, I, not every agency has a value proposition on the home base, but very often they'll put forward, um, as any business will do, a, a view of what their their culture, inverted commas, is and what their brand is. But you need to get beyond that to think, is it actually a great place for my my contact? My yeah, and, and ultimately, the, the lack of conflict of interest over money means that I don't mind having difficult conversations with people. Yes, yeah. Difficult is the right word, or honest conversations with people. And... I don't particularly want to be taking on a bit of work I can't fulfill mm -hmm. um, and letting someone down just as much as I don't want to have an awkward conversation in six months' time, just as much as I don't really want to be dealing with a person that, on either side of the table that treats people unscrupulously. Yes. It's just I'd yes. rather not earn the money. Yeah. Or, yes. What will then happen is I'll just end up being potty mouth towards them and that doesn't solve anything. No. 
is that back to your um, having to deal with tricky, I don't know what age you were, but tricky customers in the Macclesfield pub that sometimes you have to be harsh with folks. They're having a great time, but they're... It's a combination of growing up something out of way, through, yeah. yeah, growing up in a pub, doing the London scene. Of course, yeah. Having a combination of wonderful bosses that I still keep in touch with that mentored me and having bad bosses down there, good training, mm-hmm. and just the way, you know, just trying to look for the good in people and yeah. trying to bring the best out in people. Yeah. But also recognising as well, advertising is a very, very, advertising, marketing and media are very, very spoiled professions relative to other professions like teaching that my wife is in, where there's a lot of money, freedom, stuff you can do that you just would never dream of doing in a normal job. And sometimes, unfortunately, people forget that you might have your head in the clouds barking at people or strutting around, but you still need your feet firmly on the ground. Yeah. And when you have a disconnection from the ground, that's when I think you can become a cropper. And that type of individual, I don't particularly want to deal with. Yeah, and I guess you've got the experience now spotting those folks before too long. You probably yeah. actually in the industry, it's not so huge. I'm going to come on to a point about how many agencies there are in a minute, but it's mm. probably not so huge. That certainly in the north, you, you've got a really, really good understanding of who those folks are and whether you'd mm. place people with them. Yeah. Just on that point, Peter, about the numbers of agencies, so I'm probably going to be out of date on this. I did some stuff probably three years ago mm. for a, mm. a, a thing that I was writing that from a couple of different sources, I had it pegged at around 18,000 to 20,000 agencies of any sort in the UK. And that some people call themselves agencies, understandably, because it's actually mm. themselves in the confederation of a couple of freelancers that support them, but they're essentially micro businesses. They're, they're yeah. Anything up to them, the network, the globals. Yeah. Um, that may have been the case three years ago. It might now be that there's going to be fewer traditional shapes of agencies because of all the things we've talked about. Would you still, to say that's a fairly buoyant size of the market, there's plenty of work out there if you're somebody new coming into the industry. Mm. Would you still recommend to those students that you're, you're mentoring if they're considering something with a creative endeavour, commercial creative endeavour, to still look at joining an agency? Would you... Or do you say look, no? I wouldn't do it. No, I think the old barriers between media owner, agency, and client don't exist anymore now. Okay. In my humble opinion, and I think just as much as going down to London to learn your trade has been thrown out the window, it simply comes down to what is the particular role and will it fulfil your A skills and will you be able to work for that employer? Creative can be seen in client, media owner, agency and so forth and so on. And that's been driven by change, by progress, by the advent of technology, mm-hmm. allowing mm. Um, business to occur anywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, I was just recruiting for an executive role um, when I was on the phone to people in the Philippines through to South Korea and so forth. So it's, it's irrelevant nowadays. So I think the... Yeah view of falling out of university and I must get a job in an agency is is poppycock and also London's closed shop which effectively sat between Shaftesbury Avenue and Oxford Street has been broken Mm. so there's no real I guess there might be there's still be there's always going to be something called an agency around because people want that that collection of uh, yeah, of course they do. Yeah, thinking and doing creative yeah. work, but it's it's more of a fragmented picture, isn't it? It's, you don't have yeah, to, I mean, to get some of that anymore. 
youngsters now don't use the terminology that you and I were brought up on when it was very, very delineated and compartmentalised. So you don't hear people talk about media independent, media dependent, creative agency, sales promotion agency, full service agency. Mm. You've got new terms like integrated agencies. Um, you don't really hear people, youngsters talking about below the line and look above the line, through the line and so forth and so on. They don't look at it that way now. They just look at content. Yes. That's it. Get stuff made. You may get, yeah. them, you may get them talking about channels and platforms, but to the younger generation compared to us dinosaurs, they don't compartmentalise it as it was compartmentalised before. It's fluid. It's holistic. It's just life. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's it, if you're going to use jargon, the touch points now are so various and assimilated into life that yeah. you don't really separate them anymore. So that's back to that point. There probably will be a lot more... Um, well, startups, micro agencies, whatever you want yes. to call them, thinking shops, whatever the title yeah. might be. But um, it sounds like it'll also be far more fluid. So if maybe folks will come together for particular projects because they're specialists in their yeah. own right in a particular area, yeah. but they're not yeah. necessarily going to form around a permanent structure with a sign over the door. No, you're going to see... Agency. Yeah, you're going to see the advent of the freelancer and partnering with people. And I do that with people in my business rather than hire staff. What you are going to see, though, Mm. is that of this new business, I would argue two-thirds to three-quarters would all be digitally uh, biased. Yes. Yeah. Fact. Coming right back to the start of the conversation, it's a very, um, it's a really interesting time, I think, in, in when you're looking at, you know, the world of an agency. Mm. It's a, there's all sorts of interesting opportunities, but also a whole load of stuff changing around them. So the folks that they bring in, the people that they talk to to sort of help clients sell product or services. It's a really, it's a very fluid slightly. And then it is, and also AI, all that good stuff. It's very fluid, very fluid in the next year or two, I think. Yeah. And it's also, you know, the blind leading the blind, you know, when data science and machine learning cropped up, Pete, I need a data scientist. Why do you need one? I don't know. Oh, okay. We need a content marketer. Why? Do you know? The other agency's got one, our competitor. And for me, it's just, um, excuse my French, Christ on a bike. You know, just reduce it down to basics, which is, um, I remember an old acronym I was trained at, Reed Elsevier, or Relax as it is now, which was, it's called Watts, which is, what does the client sell? How do they sell it? What area do they sell it to? To whom are they selling it? And does it have any special features? Well, that's it. You know, you don't need to com- you know, complicate these things. And for me, um, I do think advertising can be a bugger for overthinking things. Just bring it down. Well, that chimes with, I know, some of the best creators, or, or certainly when we're talking about briefing, that chimes with lots of conversations over the years where folks are just saying, can we just boil it back to the, you know, try and get it all on one page. Let's not spend a... Yeah. A, a huge amount of time doing a 10 page brief what are we trying to achieve here um i don't know that acronym but uh yeah it's it, and this it's, is why this is like why you have simple to, as you said earlier just boil it down to what, yeah. what we're talking about here yeah and this is why agencies have lost control of clients this is why the likes of the co-op through to misguided have taken stuff in house because mm-hmm. they can't trust the agency to execute what they need in a very crude way and they overcomplicate it and make a complete pig's ear of it 
very good example is programmatic trading where all you know we've got to do this it's black box technology and all of that kind of stuff and clients now re-remembered the old story of the emperor's clothes that's a <laughs> do you do you see that um i mean that's gonna i guess anything there's there's the I'm going to mash this up completely wrong, but it's the Gartner hype cycle, isn't it? There is a period where people just think, actually, let's calm down from all this. We're disillusioned for a while, but now we're back to actually, let's just think about what this is in real terms. So mm. I guess a lot of technology from an agency point of view or lots of new movements, as they were, mm. will calm down and people yeah. will getting back Clients to Clients want agencies because they can see the benefits in agencies. They can't be doing with the bullshit and the lack of transparency that has occurred over a number of years, which is what has bitten a number of agencies, especially the network agencies that answer to shareholders, where they've just been driving profit, driving profit, driving profit. And clients, as they navel gaze in crisis periods, say, hang on a minute, we might as well do this programmatic stuff, for example, ourselves. Yeah, so that's another thing that's going to happen. You know, a classic one is, we'll launch a trading desk. What's a trading desk, Mr. Agency? Don't know, but it looks good and sounds good, and we can invoice it for you, to you. So well, the client's thinking, yeah. well, well, you know, I just want some MPUs, skyscrapers targeted, you know, to a demographic. You know, please explain why you're charging this much. Oh, can't do that. It's all, all secret stuff. I'm being very sarcastic, and I'm not trying to single out programmatic, for example, or digital. I'm just using that as an example. But we have seen a shift from agencies to client side due to sheer frustration, I would argue, at network level of not being honest, not being transparent. So, the, so we, when we were talking earlier on about the... the, um, the this is on the media. This is on the media side yeah. more so. It does differ with creative, for example, where if you show a storyboard, you show a storyboard and a yeah. story. Excuse the pun. And it does differ in certain areas, but I'm just using media as an example of accountability for hours, accountability for staff, accountability for technology, accountability for where has my money been spent. But I think that, that I think it does chime with creators. So we're talking before about startups. So I think the mm. agencies when they're thinking about their own proposition and starting up, the ones that are perhaps taking the route of, which I think there is, there's a groundswell of this, being honest and authentic with clients mm. and as opposed to playing maybe as you're just sort of describing slightly um smoke and mirrors when new technology mm. comes out to say we completely understand this we're the best people at it whilst mm. behind the scenes they're still trying to figure it out themselves yeah i think they're for all the, the dynamics that we've, we've talked about maybe there is um a um a need to be far more honest and and talk to clients in an mm. authentic way to say we're here to help you we're not here to just yeah. bore you for the sake of it yeah oh, that wasn't a question sorry that but that was i was just chiming yeah. with what you were yeah. saying it was, yeah, yeah. Um, oh god yeah i mean the, the, the model the model that we traditionally grew up in at our age has changed and is changing and that ultimately reflects on the type of people that are being recruited so i now see a different caliber of person mm-hmm. being recruited and I also see a shift from agency to client, client to agency, agency to media owner, and so forth, where the, bar- the traditional barriers of can't work in an agency if you've never worked in an agency, et cetera, et cetera, do not exist anymore. It's, that's another example where everything's fluid. So mm. 
and um, without talking about things from a sociological point of view, the, the, the days of having a long-term career of clearly, clearly gone. Oh, massively, yeah. yeah. You're going to move around, you're going to change roles, you're going to bring your skill yeah. sets to different um, um, events, collections of mm. people when it's required as opposed to stay put. Yeah. If you are lucky enough to have a career for life in one firm in advertising, you're doing well. Yeah, I think you yeah. last 15 years in one agency, you're doing well. Yeah. It's a really I would argue that the average lifespan of a person in an agency, and I'm making a very general statement here, I would argue sits between two to four years yeah. of those that are classed not as job hoppers. Please, I could t- I'm just conscious of um, um, my forlorn task when we have such amazing conversations to try and keep each one of my episodes of the podcast down to half an hour i suspect i'm not going to edit any of this because it's all been brilliant and, and um, you know we we i mean we could let you talk all, all afternoon about yeah. um but i will probably draw a line on it there other than to say thank you very much for taking part i mean there's loads of stuff loads of sort of food for thought there thank you oh massively um, yeah and it's an industry in flux. It's, yeah it's an industry in flux and unfortunately some people are benefiting some people have very distressed phone calls with me yeah. and at the end of the day businesses are people and don't I think people should never forget that yeah that's a good um, a good um life lesson or adage i think it's, it's true isn't it mm. keep, keep, i keep i exclude i exclude in that equation anyone bearing the title politician that's a personal thing um See, that's a whole different podcast. 